Good morning, it is Attitude Adjustment, and this time I'm introducing you because I felt like it, so... Zach, happy anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary. This is our 10th episode. This is our 10th episode. This is like we've hit double digits. Yeah. I always... I I remember when I turned 10 and I got 10 candles on the cake, I really felt like I was somebody. Yeah, two numbers is really important. It is. It is. Double digits. Like being a preteen, almost. Right? Right? Exactly. (laughs) So if you've never tuned in to Attitude Adjustment, you have missed nine amazing episodes Mm -hmm. prior to this one, but you can jump right in. Uh, this week, and we are coming up on um, our second episode that is going to be taking a look at social media. But wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I wanted to throw in sound effects. Very good, good, yep. s- good sound effects. <laughs> um, so, attitude adjustment is a podcast that uh, combines sort of the um, attitudes and values and um, opinions of a boomer, and that's me. Uh, I'm Andrea, and I'm a professor of digital media, and I'm crazy busy at this time of year. Um, and I have lots of attitudes about social media. I'm Zach, and I'm a millennial, and I am supposed to be busy, but choosing not to be. Uh, <laughs> That's because you're a senior. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, I use social media every day of every minute of every life. Yeah. We're excited today to um, welcome a guest uh, prior to. Uh, our 10th episode, Mm -hmm. we have welcomed a variety of guests, professionals in the field, and it seemed very appropriate that for our conversation about social media and its values, that we would invite a millennial uh, to join us, uh, because if there are experts in social media, I think uh, that expertise rests with your generation. So I'm excited to introduce Steph Steiner. Welcome, Steph Steiner. Thank you. Steph, um, tell folks a little bit about uh, who you are and, you know, kind of how you use social media. Yeah, so I am a corporate communication major, and I have minors in business and digital media. So um, ever since I came to college, I've kind of, I've (laughs) dived into social media. So I've had three internships with... um, agencies, I guess you could say, and anymore they're not really called advertising agencies because they use social media like crazy to market businesses and clients. So ever since then, I've really used social media in more of a creative and professional way, I like to say it. So uh, I use it as a tool, and um, I guess you can say that means I am a millennial that uses social media a Mm -hmm. lot, but... um, I like to see the positives in it and use it to my advantage, I guess. Do you think you're going to be using social media um, to get a job? Yes. <laughs> I have already used social media get, to get a job because I use social media as a discovery um, outlet. So every internship that I've gotten, I've found through social media. I research or I use it as kind of a research tool and I find brands and businesses that I like through Instagram especially and I think I'll do the same for a job awesome well you know that's that's in keeping actually with some of the research that we've done um, on social media according to a new career builder survey of nearly 2,200 hiring managers and more than 3,000 workers, 60% of employers vet job candidates' social media pages. And that's kind of interesting, isn't it, if you think about it? Because think about everything that you have put on 
uh, your and and I would throw this to both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, put on your social media pages. Um, there's kind of a lot of goofiness out there. There's a lot of you know questionable stuff out there. Not necessarily on your pages, but certainly among your peers. Sixty mm-hmm. percent um, of employers vet job candidates' social media pages. What do you think about that? Go ahead, Seth. I I think I have been aware of that, and I think that's why I more consciously post, especially on the platforms that I see as what shows shows what I can do or things like that, because I, I am aware. I think I think a lot of people aren't aware of that, and they don't really think about it when they're posting, but I do. I, I think about what I'm posting, and I try to use... I try to balance it as best I can, but I try to use it more in that professional way. Yeah. Uh, somebody that's been in a hiring situation, I've looked at social media before, and it's, it's interesting coming from a, an, like an outsider aspect and then looking in on people's profiles. Like fa- Your Facebook friends are different because you understand them. You really like have like a full grasp of their personality. But if you look at other people's social media that you have like no context to, and there's a, a level of expectancy, I guess I would say that like if your your profile picture is like of a dog and there's no other like picture except for the dog and like you don't have like your proper name in there or you've got some slang term next to it and stuff like that, a lot of those things like just instantly put a negative effect. So there's it, it doesn't take that long for them to look at your profile picture or your profile in general and be like, wow. I don't, this guy seems odd or quirky, you know, and and that's a terrible thing have coming into an interview. And so when, for my social media page, I've like, until like lately, I've had my professional headshot, like since the beginning of time. And that was something I've even fought with ex-girlfriends about because they're like, why do you include me in the profile picture? Because I, for the longest time, believed that if anybody runs across mine, one, I want them to know that it's me. So I want my face to be there. And then two, I want—I don't want them to have any question that I, um, like, 100% try to act professionally or goofy, um, which is usually in my cover photo if there's anything goofy. It's like a group of us just goofing off. But, yeah, so I've always been a firm believer that, like, you have to be conscious, even especially a profile picture, because sometimes that's all they get if you have your privacy settings right. But my privacy settings are, like, off the wall. They're just open for anybody to see because— because I'm, I don't know, maybe lack intelligence or something. But I know everyone's just like, you should turn them off. And I'm like, but I just don't have anything to hide. And but, I don't know. But let me ask you this. I mean, you guys are talking about the fact that you're pretty, you're pretty conscientious about the, and, and aware of mm-hmm. the fact that folks are going to be looking at it, people who are going to be judging you sort of actively and intentionally judging mm-hmm. you. This is especially true as you guys sort of launched the whole job search thing. Um, but would you say that all of your peers are as cognizant of that as you are? I would say no. Uh, I'd, I'd, I always like like look at profile pictures or look at like um, just pictures in general. And I'm like, this is the stupidest thing you could do. Um, you know, like you can do your, stu- your own stuff on the weekend, but sometimes they just don't add to. And I also think like, don't you have your family on there? Like. Like, I, I don't know. But then again, different families are different things. But I would say no. I, th- I think sometimes people just know it as a as a platform of sharing. But oversharing is such a, a popular thing where people are just like, I'll tell you every detail of my life right now. Um, you know, suicidal thought. Even like in the darker yeah. side of oh things, gosh, like emotionally, yeah. people are like, I'm thinking, well, killing myself or... 
I had yes. a, this terrible day, and my mom called me this, and yeah. It's, yeah, terrible stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the stuff that people put out there, it's just, it's shocking to me. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Steph? Yeah, I kind of already mentioned it, but I do think my peers ne- aren't necessarily as cognizant as I am. Um, and not necessarily, I guess for Facebook, I'm not even as good as Zach with um, conscious of that. But um, I think I kind of live by the motto that too much of anything is too much. <laughs> so, uh, you know, too much of social media, too much sharing might not be a good thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you, it's easy to talk about Facebook in this particular scenario, mm-hmm. but, but what about Twitter? Mm, I can't talk on Twitter. I am, that's all you, Steph. Um, <laughs> I definitely see Twitter as a place for humor and just, you know, whatever is on your mind comes out. And that can be hard. I guess, actually, I just tweeted the other day and I'm, I said, I hope my future employers scroll through my Twitter feed and realize how secretly hilarious I am. <laughs> because... <laughs> know i i don't see the use in creativity on twitter as much as i do like instagram so i kind of just use it more for like funny things or but do um, you think you could be like adversely or negatively judged i don't think i think it's more just people do look through twitter yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah and and people do all kinds of branding Right. Really through Twitter, almost more than Facebook or Instagram. I actually do share a lot of my writing on Twitter. So, like, I link to what I've written, and that actually goes over really well. And so I kind of try to balance that. And because I don't really share my photography as much on Twitter. Yeah. so no, that's an Instagram kind right. of thing. Yeah. Right. And so then I kind of try to balance it out. and But I do include, you know, some of those funny things and um, with those professional things. All right, let me throw you throw one at both of you then. So yesterday was Cinco de Mayo. Did you did you celebrate in any sort of way? Mm. Do y'all know even what Cinco de Mayo is about? Uh, it's a holiday. Yeah, it's a holiday. What is it? I it's, learned in Spanish class, but I can't remember. It's a ce- celebration. <laughs> well, people people often as- erroneously associate Cinco de Mayo actually with the Mexican Independence Day, which is wrong. Um, it's actually uh, the day in which the Mexican army defeated Napoleon. Um, right. And so it's it was like a big battle thing, right? So <laughs> anyway, but it's it's been sort of co- co-opted uh, in our, in our um, culture to be a time when we drink a lot of margaritas uh, and, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's very silly. Uh, nonetheless, so yesterday, Donald... Trump tweeted a picture of himself with a taco salad bowl in front of him. Right. And that goofy grin. <laughs> and the message was, I love Hispanics. There was more to it than that. It was bragging about the fact that Trump Tower also makes the best tacos, but whatever. <laughs> um, the point here is that, you know, he sent out this tweet. And again, this is part of his branding, mm-hmm. right? And the whole... I love Hispanics thing uh, was going out and it's it's really in so many ways I'm not even sure how to interpret that but what do you think about that kind of message coming from say for example politicians um, politicians using social media to push it out 
you know, it's interesting, like, how, all, just like in general, how fast you can, like, Twitter and Facebook. The good thing about social media is that if you say something racy or say something odd or cool, like, it's so easy to share. And that's, like, I think the reason why we're even talking about it now is that all he probably wanted was more talk about him and with the, especially with the Hispanic thing, because he doesn't exactly get along with them, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I saw this post come up on, I think I was scrolling through Twitter, and I saw it, someone had retweeted it onto my timeline, and I stared at it, and I'm like, is this the real Donald Trump account, or is this a joke? And I just, and then I realized it was the real one, and I'm like, I guess I don't understand the motive behind this, but... Um, it did, it made me uncomfortable. I feel like, you know, I think of seriousness when I think of politics and I don't know if it was to be funny or what, but I just didn't even interact with it because like Zach said, I think the shareability, unfortunately, you know, people are getting it out there, but at the same time, it's giving him bad attention and attention is attention and I don't know. Yeah, attention's all they need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, attention is attention and that's that's kind of the that's kind of the point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um you know, and, and it can backfire. So, I'll give you another scenario. Kurt Schilling, famous baseball player, uh turned announcer for ESPN. Tweeted out uh a, a very sort of it, it well, it took a stand on the North Carolina bathroom laws that Zach and I talked about mm-hmm. uh, earlier in attitude adjustment. Um, and it was, it was very much in favor of these laws. And it was arguably there, there were a lot of people who were super, super offended and saw this as very discriminatory against um, transgender folks. Right. Mm-hmm. Ultimately Schilling lost his job because of that tweet on ESPN. And so, I mean, it's a great example of the fact that, in fact, if you are taking a political stand, if you are putting out controversial subjects or, or controversial statements, really, um, or position statements on any form of social media, the potential for backlash and ultimately losing one's job is is there. Yeah, and he's nowhere near the first one to have that happen to him. Um, and it's, it's interesting because... It's kind of the same thing if you just, like, scream, like, something super offensive in, like, a public setting and a bunch of people hear you. But the the thing about social media that we were just talking about is its shareability. Like, yeah, it's a it's the loud. loudest scream you could possibly hear, uh, and it spreads across. And, and once enough people disagree with it, they can reach out to your manager, your boss, and then the boss. Like, most bosses don't want to deal with the, the, cr- the crowd control that is social media. Yeah, and social media is essentially an archive, and once you put something out there, even if you delete it, if mm-hmm. one person sees it, they could potentially screenshot it, and then it will never be gone, you know? And especially with something like that that gets shared so much, you know, there's already a chance that tons of people have screenshotted it and have it forever, too, mm-hmm. even if you delete it. or Like BuzzFeed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> BuzzFeed and grabs onto all of those things. Exactly. And that's why... It, can be dangerous. A lot of people have said that it is a huge violation of our First Amendment rights if you lose a job because you do what Kurt Schilling did. What do you think about that? Mm. Well, I, I don't. I think that's a boss's 
opinion, right? Like, if they don't... I mean, yeah, he had the right to say yeah. what he said on there, whether it be, you know, bad or good, um, which it was pretty bad. But I think... I don't know... I don't know about the whole firing thing, I guess. Well, I mean, you have the you have the right to say it, but yeah, they also yeah, have the right to fire his you. First his First Amendment freedoms was were it? not violated yeah. in as much as he was able to say it. Mm-hmm. He right. put it with out no there. no problem. Yeah, the, no the problem with that. The issue with speech and free speech is that you can, you can put stuff out there, but it doesn't mean that there are no ramifications right. mm-hmm. of what you say, right? I mean, that's the whole nature of this thing. This is not the government stepping in and saying you can't and shutting you down, mm-hmm. yeah. which is what the First Amendment actually ensures, it's it's all about the fact that, gosh, there are always ramifications for what you put out. Mm-hmm. And in yeah. this social media age, oh my goodness, what that means. I mean, you really have to think about the fact that there are always going to be haters. We talked last <laughs> week Hate is gonna about, hate. I know, right? The, we talked last week about the fa- uh, about the 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 um, trolling phenomenon, uh, and the fact that there are people who simply lie and wait to be able to pounce, mm-hmm. okay, and 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 to and to respond and to respond really dramatically, actually, um, gosh, and and I think that that extends to bosses. I think that extends to you know. If you're spending too much time on social media and your boss is paying attention to that, it's an issue, right? So I don't know. I think it's interesting. And I think that we're heading into an age right now where um, our public face is now a very different thing than it used to be. Oh, yeah. People need to – I think people need to realize that – because I think people at the beginning of social media might have thought that this is a personal experience and it's going to be shared with your personal friends. But – I think people really need to shift their their mindset to the fact that social media is insanely public. It's 100% a public thing, and it's intentionally now for the public. And so if you have these racy thoughts or um, these very aggressive opinions, you feel free to say them, but just know that you know there's, there always is going to be ramifications on it. And it'll be tied to your name. Forever. <laughs> So maybe BuzzFeed will make a top 10 worst tweets or racist tweets made. And I'm sure Donald Trump will make it. I think BuzzFeed should do the top 10 most um, racist or misogynist tweets Culturally insensitive. Um, And and let's just just look at that before we go to the polls in November. Right. Um, That that should be an interesting That'll just help him. That'll just help him. (laughs) Good. I don't know. I'm, I'm... I'm intrigued by what this means, really, especially for your generation. I mean, I've seen, mm. uh, I've seen people not get scholarships because they had put on Facebook, like high school students had put on Facebook a picture of themselves at an underage drinking yeah, party, yeah. for example, and lose out on full ride scholarships as athletes uh, because the coach does the whole perusal of social media before they make those decisions mm-hmm. and it's a very competitive business out there it's it's an interesting thing it's kind of a great tool for people that are hiring you really uh it yeah. allows them to get a way better like a, a one step ahead of what you think they are you know and they kind of learn your personality what you're doing with your weekends what you're doing 
And obviously drinking isn't like the end of the world, but it's whether you're legal to do such a thing. You know, it's the same thing as, um, you know, if you have a medical card for marijuana, I guess you can do that. But I don't know. Some of that stuff should be left off social media. But I, I, I'm interested in talking about, um, especially because we have Steph here, interested in talking about the career that is social media and yeah. social media impressions. So I'll give my little spiel and I'll let Steph talk a little bit about her experience. But um, working at Awesomeness TV, which is heavily like a millennial, uh, preteen aged market, a lot of the things that they do, um, social media consisting of YouTube as well, because as much as we don't view it, it really is. Um, they they really work on finding people that have those followers, those millions of young followers, um, and then they put them into things like videos, brand ads, um, just pictures in general, because the the reach is there, you know, and and that's something that social media has opened up is a whole new way to market to other people. If they have thirty million followers, and you can get them to post one ad, you have thirty million views. Um, almost simultaneously and if they you know if it's a good ad and uses the the famous quote-unquote celebrity well then it's going to get shared and people are going to love it they're going to fan over it and that's the stuff that you want when you're doing creative marketing and I know Steph you've worked at uh, like you were stating earlier a few agencies can you talk a little bit about how they use social media yeah, so it's kind of a similar concept to that although it's not typically TV but we, especially at my internship in Los Angeles, because it was on a bigger scale, um, at Matt Black, I one of my tasks was to research influencers, is what they call it. And mm-hmm. you have to find bloggers and, you know, people with a big following, whether it be they blog about fashion or food or whatever. It, and you find that those people that they can reach out to and say, hey, will you promote one of our clients? If And, you know, it depends on the client and the blogger, what they do, but it's it's really interesting. And I had to, I had to write down all the ones that I found that had a certain amount of following. And, um, yeah, I mean, the way that they do things anymore, and it, it's essentially, it's so much, it takes so much less money, so much less time even uh, than, I think, traditional advertising and marketing. Mm-hmm. Because you you just you take away those middle things and you don't have to really make anything. You have the content creators make the content and you just ask them to do it and compensate them however. And it brings up an interesting... And you raise the whole issue of compensation because I, I, keep, I keep wondering about... I keep wondering about the economic benefits to all of this. Um, who's making money how... Mm-hmm. That's an interesting question. Uh, you get a lot of money, that's for sure. I mean, there there are yeah. people out there who are making money doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of times they get these people get free products for sure. I mean, they get to whatever use the product of the client, depending on the, what it is. But like, if it's like a facial facial mask or something, like mm-hmm. they, they give them all the free whatever samples. But then also. I know sometimes they pay them. I just don't know, yeah, I don't I, know how much or what. There was one comment made um, at Awesomeness TV that, like, at one of the YouTube, uh, one of the bigger people got $1,000 for tweeting once on their on their social media. And it was an ad. It was a straight ad. Uh, and so it's, you know, it's paid sometimes per tweet. I know, 
we were working with um it's nice just to have this experience but we were working with Coles on uh it was about a six episode series about their new so rad uh clothing line and what was interesting kind of like glancing over the contract that was made between Coles and the content creators, which was Lauren Elizabeth and Arden Rose, which are both hugely popular uh, females on YouTube. And like in the contract, it states, you know, you will publish each episode on your own, um, you know, your own social media. You will promote it. You will make references to it. Um, you will tweet at least once about it. You know, like there's, there, it's it's so specific. You know, like this is outside of they're like acting in a video, but outside of that, not only do they have to use their own personal social media because that's what they really are going for. Because if they don't share it, it will go nowhere. And I know we were freaking out because you know, like they weren't sharing it. Like the video was up for like an hour and it wasn't shared by them, and so like that just kills everything if they can't get that share and it's in their contract now. And so. There's an interesting thing about that. Um, impressions are so important. Right. I think it'd be exhausting, you know, having to oh balance my gosh, that. Yes. And having to have that pressure to post in, mm-hmm. in a certain way and a certain thing. But not yeah. annoy your audience. Right. And it's, and yeah, I mean, that that's the other thing. I keep envisioning people in the future simply, you know, in their phones or at their screens, at their laptops or whatever doing nothing but this Mm -hmm. because it is it it does require just sort of this constant monitoring and and pushing and pushing out and i i think that's i think that's both interesting and a little bit scary Mm -hmm. yeah i mean these are people's jobs now i mean so many people do this and i can't imagine yeah just 24 7 having to post and the thing with social media is it it doesn't go to sleep. It it's yeah. there twenty four seven, and if you're not with it twenty four seven, I mean, people kind of might forget about you, or you know, or that. Yeah, it's I not a nine to five. Up. Definitely yeah. not a nine to five. Do you think that this is um, our use of social media is impacting how we interact face to face? The age old question. I think to an extent, it depends on. I think it depends on the person and how they um, grow up communicating, but I think it also depends on how much you do use social media. And I think, I know this is probably bad to say, but I know I was talking at my internship at Stellar Architects and they were talking about a blogger and they're like, yeah, in person she is like so awkward and like can't communicate, but yet she's like this really popular blogger. And I was like, interesting because maybe it's because she's behind her computer all the time or maybe it's yeah it could, she is. yeah i was gonna say you it know? could easily be your personality yeah and so i guess i didn't answer the question i guess it's still <laughs> a question it is, still, it is still a question what do you think zach i i'm trying to think of times in which social media replaced face-to-face conversation because I think, like, I think, like, day to day, I still go around and talk to everyone that I talk to on social media or make reference to. I, though, personally, am not a heavy social media user. I I post when I feel like I have content to post. But and I would argue that you're also interpersonally, you have skills. Right. <laughs> like yeah. You're 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 good with people. You're, mm-hmm. you're kind of an extrovert, and so that's that's. I guess my question is, in the in sort of the long run, 
are we seeing movement away from face-to-face -face interpersonal interaction to our detriment? I'm, I'm wondering a little bit about, for example, I know that the vast majority of my students hate picking up the telephone and actually talking with someone. Yeah, I still, I still hate that. But I also know a lot of your generation that hates that as well. I think I think that's just like a, a thing. Like, I, I've talked to my dad. My dad loves to talk on the phone. And then I talk to my grandma, and she'll, like, she'll try to minimize the conversation to, like, one minute. Like, that's her goal. And so I think there's something about, like, social... She just didn't want to talk to you. <laughs> talking on the phone, yeah, that's probably fair. Talking on the phone's different, though, because it's like you, you're so close to talking to them in person, but you're not. So it's like... It's, and you can't see those nonverbals. Yeah. So you're like, ooh. But then it's like in other ways, like texting or anything, they're pretty much all taken away so it's yeah like, so you kind of like accept it none or all is mm -hmm. it i don't know ah i got nothing okay. yeah i know all right <laughs> trying to tackle the top tackle you direct right at the end here so yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely oh no that's not what attitude <laughs> yeah. is about we're just talking about it we don't try to solve the problems we mm. have people running for office who nope. are going to take that care of that for no us. <laughs> that's a joke uh, <laughs> All right. Well, it is the end of attitude adjustment. Uh, no, it's just the end of episode <laughs> ten. Yes, <laughs> we've yes, got more true. coming for you. We do. So we'll see you next week. Well.